Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. All right, all right, all right. Good morning, Encounter Church. How are you guys doing today? Good? All right. You didn't know you were coming to uh, Encounter Church Game Show Edition today, did you? Man, that was fun. So it's my privilege to share the Word of God with you to, uh, today. And uh, there's, there's a word that I'm excited to share, and I believe it's something that God has just breathed on. It's something that God is speaking. So uh, something that we do in loud youth a lot is we use our pointer finger. So just everyone just grab your pointer finger, get your pointer finger out, turn to somebody next to you and you need to make eye contact, not awkward church eye contact, but just eye contact, get your pointer finger and point at them and say, are you ready to hear from Jesus? Turn to somebody else and, and get your pointer finger, point it right in their face and say, hey, this is the way. Turn to one more person. Find one more person you haven't looked at. Stare right in the eye. Get your pointer finger and say, this is the way. All right. That's it. That's it. That's, that's an icebreaker. Any Star Wars fans out there? Woo. All right. All right. Well, shout out. The sermon title today is, this is the way. All right. So who's been blessed by, um, first, who's been blessed by every word? Our year-long theme. Who's been blessed by every word? Raise your hand if you've been blessed by it. All right. Yeah, me too. Raise your hand if you've been blessed in this series we've been on about seven ways to pray. Come on now. That's right. That's been good. You know, these prayer tracks have been so powerful. You know, I have been, I have been praying like the prayer of Jabez in particular, man. That, one, that one's messed me up something good. And I know also the tabernacle prayer model. You know, I had never heard it ex exposed or exposited before, um, but it's so powerful, right? You know, it's so powerful when we have direction in our prayer. It's so powerful when there's intention in our prayer. I don't know about you guys, but when I get up in the morning sometimes, you know, it takes every ounce of self-control in me to have intention in my prayer and not just be a zombie on the couch, you know, with worship music playing. So these prayer tracks have helped me. They've helped me focus. They've helped me, um, you know, intentionally approach God. But as I was thinking of and preparing for this, you know, something that God has, has spoken to me over the years and he's been reminding me of recently is this question of how do we approach God? How do we do it? Because, I mean, let's think about it. You know, it's easy for us as Christians to get used to the idea of approaching God, right? It's like, oh yeah, we come and we worship him and he hears our every prayer and, you know, that is all good and well. But let's think for a second, we are approaching the great I am. We are worshiping the king of kings, the God of the universe. We are approaching the infinite one. So there should be a way that we approach him, right? Let's, so let's remember, let's keep it fresh in our minds today as, as we're hearing this. We are approaching God, the great I am, the king of the universe, the almighty. But how do we approach him? What's the right way to approach this God? That's what we're going to look at today. So when I first got saved... You know, 
So many of you know, I was, I, I was a teenager when I got born again. When I encountered Jesus, I was 17. My dad is a, uh, was a pastor, and so I grew up in the church. I knew the stories, I knew everything, but it wasn't real in my life. It wasn't until I was 17 that I had a radical encounter with Jesus. An ex-drug dealer bully started preaching the gospel to me, and then I got saved and in Pastor Hunter's office when he was a youth pastor in Las Cruces, New Mexico. I had a radical encounter with Jesus. And, you know, growing up hearing the stories, I had longed to really see all that the Bible talked about. I had longed to, to feel the presence of God. I had longed to, to see the miraculous, to actually see it with my eyes. Or am I the only one? I grew up in church, and these things were all ethereal. They were all theological. They were all ideological. But it wasn't tangible. It wasn't something I could see and taste and touch until I got born again. And we were in a youth ministry that was in, in revival. So, you know, we would have youth services for three hours because the presence of God would come in such power. People would, you know, people would come for the first time and they'd be snotting, weeping on the, on the carpet because Jesus was grabbing a hold of their hearts. And I got saved in this environment. And it was like all of my dreams came true. Like finally I could actually encounter this God. He's alive and he wants to touch my life. He wants to encounter me. It was like a dream that came true. And so I'm in these services and, and the power of God is flowing. But then all of a sudden this weird thing started happening. Where it's like we would go into worship and I would look and, you know, Colleen is over here like weeping and Aaron's on the floor screaming and God's touching Becca there and, and Bree's, you know, soft crying in the back because that's Bree, very cute, soft crying in the back. And then I'm like, well, but what, I'm here and nothing's happening. What's, what's wrong, God? I don't get it. What's not working? And so, you know, in, in, in typical teenage fashion, I began to panic. I just began to overthink and panic. Anybody out there overthink and panic sometimes? Yeah, yeah, I don't know if we cheer for that, but yeah. I, I would just overthink and panic. And, and I, don't know about, I don't know if any of y'all have ever done this, but like I would be in, in worship service, and I'm not, I don't have the feels. I'm not feeling it. You see the air quotes? I'm not feeling it. And so then I would just begin to freak out. And so I'm like, um, Jesus, oh no, there must be sin. Jesus, forgive me for not turning on my blinker when I took the right turn driving here. Uh, forgive me for not throwing away the gum wrapper. Uh, forgive me for, um, forgive me for, and I would just start re repenting for the silliest things because I was like, oh, there must be something wrong that I need to fix so that I can enter into the presence of God. I was trying to find a way to approach God. You know, I was trying to approach him by what I thought, by what I knew. Do you think that it worked? No, it didn't. You know, I was trying to map out a way to approach God that was surefire. A way that guaranteed that I would get the feels. But how many of you know that approaching God that way, it doesn't work because that's devoid of relationship. That's based on a theory, or that's based on a formula. That's based on if I do A, B, and C correct, then D is the outcome that I'll get every time. And you know, God set up laws in, in, in creation and eternity, of course, you know, when he formed it. But what does he want out of all of this creation? What does he want out of all of this Christianity? He wants his sons and daughters. 
He wants our hearts. He wants intimacy. He wants relationship. And so here I am overthinking, panicking, trying to map out an approach to God that would get me into his presence without relationship. And it wasn't working. And I know it's silly, right? But don't many of us do things like this? We try to map out an approach to God that doesn't require faith. It's a formula. If I pray this prayer track this way with this song on my second cup of coffee, then God will hear me and answer me. I got the feels one time like that, so that's how I must approach God. But that thought process puts faith in the track, not the God of the track, right? That approach is devoid of relationship, which is what God desires. Don't get me wrong. Prayer tracks are powerful. I pray them almost every day. Prayer tracks are wonderful. But we must keep our hearts right in the midst of these prayer tracks that we're not trying to formula our relationship with Jesus. So let's look today at the way to approach God so that no matter the prayer track, we can be confident in our approach. Anybody want to be confident in the way that you approach God? I know I do. So let's dive in today. There's two main points on how to approach God. Point number one is performance. Can you say performance? And point number two is approach. Say approach. So we're going to cover performance, approach. So let's start with performance. Any parents out there ever had the ground rules conversation in the car before you go into a store or a restaurant? Any, any parents? Oh, yeah. So... Um, it was a couple of weeks ago, um, I took Joshua and Abby out so that Bree could have some time at home alone, just so that she could breathe, she could just disengage for a second, so I was like, let me be a good husband, let me take the, you know, let me take the kids out, so we went to, as, you know, as we typically do, we went to Target, Woohoo! and so... In the back of our car, we have one stroller, all right, and that stroller is where Abby goes right now, because she's so little. And so, I, you know, I was in the car, and I was giving Joshie the talk. Like, okay, Joshua, we're coming to Target, all right? <gasps> Target? Yes, we're coming to Target. But listen, okay, listen. Abby is going in the stroller, so this means that you're going to hold my hand. What are you going to do, Joshie? Hold your hand. That's right, you're going to hold my hand, okay? But listen, Joshua, listen. We are only here for one thing. Can you say one thing? One thing. That's right. We're only here for one thing, okay? So I'm, I'm laying out the ground rules, and I'm being very intentional because the backstory of this is that if I did not do that, all, all craziness would have broken loose in that place, all right? He would have just ran off. It would have been nasty. Anyway, so we go. We, we're going. I'm pushing the stroller. Abby's there. She's chill. Joshie's holding my hand in the parking lot. Life is good. He's actually listening. And for a three-year-old, that's a move of God, right? So we, we get in. I actually run into Miss Tara in there, and we chatted up with Miss Tara for a second. The kids are behaving. Life is wonderful. So I go to the exercise section because I'm wanting to get, like, one of those push-up bars or whatever. And, and again, I'm like, Joshie, don't forget. We are here for one thing. That's right, one thing. Okay, so I get into the aisle, and we're looking at the exercise you know, bars, and then I'm, 
I'm kind of comparing two. One's cheaper, but the other one's more of what I actually wanted. You know, what do I want to do? Anyone had that dilemma before? Yeah, okay. And so I'm, you know, I'm having that conversation in my mind, and then it happens. Some fool put all of the Hot Wheels monster truck tracks in the exercise equipment aisle. So I'm there with my three-year-old who happens to love monster trucks. I've psyched him out. Full psychological warfare has worked. He is listening and obeying. And then he turns and he beholds the coveted monster truck track. And so what, is, what, is, what does he do? So I'm like scrambling. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get the one I want. And I'm like pushing Abby and she's just, just looking around, just chilling. And then Joshy like is like staring at them and he goes, dad, dad, look. I'm like, yeah, we're here for one thing. I'm trying to reel it in. We're here for one thing, right? Yeah, daddy, one thing, monster truck for Joshy. I'm like, I'm like, no, we're not here for that. So he starts walking away from me in Target alone to the monster truck section. So I'm like putting an exercise bar on top of Abby in the car seat, like, hold it, girl, hold it. She's six, seven months old, all right? And so then I'm pushing that, and I have to, like, do the walk of shame where I'm carrying a screaming three-year-old, you know, like, going up front. We buy it. We make it out. We survive. Joshy is alive. Abby is alive. Praise God. But we had the ground rules conversation. It might not have turned out the way I wanted, but we survived. But what are some ground rules that God set with us? Some ground rules that God set. Number one. Say number one. Ground rule one, God is completely holy, right? He is perfect. There's no imperfection in God. Ground rule one is God is holy. He's spotless. He's pure. Ground rule two, because of sin, humankind, any humankind, any humans out there? All right. Because of sin, we have been blemished. We are not perfect, Amen. Yeah, we are not perfect. God is holy and perfect. We are not holy and perfect in ourselves. And ground rule three, perfect holiness and imperfect brokenness do not cohabitate. They don't live together as roommates. Okay, what about Uzzah? The ark of God's presence was going and it and it begins to stumble. Uzzah reached out and he touched the ark. Anyone know what happened to Uzzah? That was a moment of imperfect brokenness, touching perfect holiness, approaching him in the way that he did not ask, and Uzzah died. Perfect holiness, imperfect brokenness do not cohabitate. What about Lucifer? He was one of the archangels in heaven until pride was found in his heart, and he was kicked out of heaven, right? So, we understand ground rules in counter church. Yes, okay. So, God still, even though he's, he's holy and we're set up and, you know, we're apart from him because of sin, God still wants intimacy with us, right? God wants friendship with us. So, what does he do? He creates the old covenant, right? He says, okay, if you keep all of these rules, then you can approach me, Right? And so, what do we find in the Old Covenant? Well, we find a problem. We couldn't do it. Hebrews 8, 7 through 8. If the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. 
Let's read this. But when God found fault with the? But when God found fault with the? He said, the day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. He found fault with the people. There was no fault in his perfect law, but there was fault with the people, right? So there was something wrong. We could not perform well enough to the old covenant to be able to approach a completely holy, perfect God because of our broken sinfulness, right? And so what did God do? He decided, you know what? I'm going to become my creation. I'm going to live the perfect life. I will perfectly keep my perfect law. And then I will take their sin on my body. I will die a criminal's death to remove what separates us. I will die and then I'll rise again to give them victory over sin, victory over death, so that I could restore this relationship. And that's called grace. Can you say grace? So the old covenant was based on our performance, but the new covenant is based on whose performance? It's based on Jesus' performance. You see, Encounter Church, my problem as an early Christian was that I was saved by grace, but I was regressing back to the old covenant. I was trying to find a way to approach the presence of God that was based on my performance, that was based on my Bible reading, that was based on you know, my personal holiness journey. It was based on my personal sexual purity journey. It was based on my performance. Problem. My performance is never good enough. It will never, I could repent every moment for the rest of my life and I would still have things unrepented of. We, th- this new covenant that we have, it's based on grace because God knew we couldn't do it so he decided to do it for us in our place. Isn't it silly though that we get saved by grace in this wonderful moment of grace where we receive forgiveness and then we try to walk out our Christian lives by our our performance. And then we wonder why we don't live in the miraculous, why we don't live and operate in the supernatural. We're basing our our walk on our our old performance. The thing that couldn't save us in the first place. So let's take a look at Hebrews 10, 10 through 18. Let's look at some performance questions. For God's will was for us to be made. For God's will was for us to be made. Holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. Once for all time. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again and again and again and again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest, say Jesus, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Can you say grace? Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. And the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so. For he says, this is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. 
I will put my laws in there and I will write them on there. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. You know, some of us might be stuck in cycles and we feel like we can't defeat that cycle, like we're not breaking through in our approach to God. You know, maybe when you come into a moment of worship like I did, you know, when I was a teenager struggling with this, you know, I, I just don't feel close to God. I don't, I'm not feeling his presence like I, like I want. And I, I feel stuck. And maybe you're like, uh, like those priests in the old covenant. You know, maybe you're making the same sacrifices again and again and again. You know, daily Bible reading and prayer and worship and community and fellowship, but it doesn't seem to be breaking through. Friend, I have some good news. I have some very good news. Our performance will never be good enough. So we can just stop. Can we put a stop to striving? Can we put a stop to trying to perform to the old covenant when our Jesus made a better way? When our Jesus has forever made us perfect by his performance on the cross? See, I love that verse. It says, he has forever made perfect those who are being made holy. What does that mean? It means that by the blood of Jesus, you and I are considered perfect in the eyes of God. That when I come under the precious flow of, of Jesus' blood and I am forgiven, when the Father looks at me, he says, wow, Trinity looks like Jesus. Shane looks like Jesus. Yvonne looks like Jesus. When he looks at us, when we're covered in the blood of Jesus, he sees the righteousness of Christ. He doesn't see, wow, Caleb's performance is pretty meager. No, he sees Jesus. When you wake up in the morning, friend, and you want to approach the throne of God, remember, remember the foundation of our approach is performance. But whose performance? Jesus, the Son of God, our perfect high priest that came, offered himself as a sacrifice for my sin and your sin once for all time. So that when God would look at us, he would see son and daughter, Jesus' righteousness. Yeah, they can come, they can approach me now. Because perfect holiness and imperfect brokenness don't cohabitate, right? So God took away our imperfect brokenness by his blood on the cross so that we could approach him. Disciples. Any disciples out there? Some, some things that are very good to work hard at. Bible reading. Hello, every word. Church attendance. Yeah. Prayer consistency. This is our whole theme. Holiness. Purity. These are good things, very good things to work hard at. But let's get set free today. We could never perform well enough at any or all of those things for them to be the standard by which we could approach God. You could have a perfect Bible reading streak your whole life, but that still will not make you clean enough to approach a perfect God. The one and only thing, the only acceptable sacrifice for sin is not our performance. It's the blood of Jesus. So today, God is inviting us out of striving He's inviting us out of our meager performance 
to put our full faith and trust back in the blood of Jesus. Let's not get saved by grace and live by works. We are saved by grace and live by grace. His grace is what empowers me to do good works. It's because Jesus loves me so much he died that I read my Bible. It's because Jesus loved me and died that I pray. It's because of his performance that I do these things. It's not that I do them so I can perform. Is this helping anyone today? Our performance is not good enough. Only Jesus could perform to the perfection God demanded by his perfect law. So he offered himself as the sacrifice. So we've talked about performance. Listen, why are we talking about performance and the blood of Jesus and prayer and how to approach God? Because God is perfectly holy. Because of sin, we are imperfectly broken. They do not cohabitate. And so Jesus came to take away the one thing that would separate you and I from his presence. The very foundation of our ability to approach God is based on that one word, performance. Number two, now that we understand the foundation is grace, let's look at the approach. Can you say the approach? Anyone ever flown before? You know when the pilot... All check and all call. We're making final descent, final approach. So you see, the, the pilot, you know, we went to Honduras years ago on a, on a mission trip. It was so funny. RJ loves to fly, right? Just kidding. He does not. He was terrified. So in Tegucigalpa is the capital of Honduras, and there's mountains all around Tegucigalpa. And so the, the, the approach that the pilot makes, he, it's like literally like, have you seen um, a toilet bowl when you flush? Yeah, we all have, right? Yeah. And it just goes down in circles. That's what the airplane does. It's just like flying in a toilet bowl all the way to the back. The approach is terrifying. Like you look out one side and it's like you're scraping the houses on the side just flying down. You know, but the pilot understands that the approach must be correct to get on the runway. We want him to, like, we want him to nail the approach. So now we understand performance is based on grace. So now let's nail the approach. Are you ready? Who's ready to nail the approach? Since Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice, the only acceptable offering to take away sin, we can now approach God. Get that pointer finger, point to somebody next to you and say, hey, guess what? Good news. You can approach God. But how do we approach God? I want to tell you, are you ready? We can approach God boldly. Can you say boldly? We can approach him boldly because of grace. Say grace. Let's read Hebrews 10, 19 through 23. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can... Let's say it together. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can... Enter heaven's most holy place because of the Jesus or grace. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. 
Since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. I love that. Let's go right into the presence of God. We don't need to skirt around his presence. Let's go right into it because of the blood of Jesus. For our guilty conscience have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. Anyone ever felt like you couldn't approach God, you felt dirty? Guess what? Because of that blood, your guilty conscience has been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make you clean. Whew. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the, to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promises. We can approach him boldly. Can you say boldly? It doesn't say we approach him pridefully. It doesn't say we approach him brashly. We don't approach him um, like, like needy kids demanding what we want. But we can approach him boldly based on whose performance. So what does that look like? That's, that's like, God, I'm going to come right into your presence because your son died on the cross to wash me clean. My conscience has been sprinkled with your blood, so I know that I know that I know that I'm forgiven. That's why the Bible says that as far as the east is from the west, so my sins, our sins, are forgotten in the eyes of God. East and west have never met. They go on endlessly the other direction. So has our sin. It also says that he casts our sin into the sea of forgetfulness. Though our sins are red like crimson, he has washed us as white as snow. Encounter church, if we are washed in the blood of Jesus, God does not remember our sin anymore. So why do we? Why are we holding on to our sin and letting it define us when God doesn't even remember? Because remember, when he looks at me, when he looks at you, he sees Amanda and he says, that's my daughter. I see the righteousness of Jesus. But yet many of us languish outside of his presence going, oh God, if you'll just forgive me, just let me in again. Let me in again. He says, come right in. The way is open. Just come in. God's deepest heart desire is intimacy. He's not going to let anything separate you and him. Right? We approach boldly with confidence that the blood of Jesus made us acceptable. We're going to read that same passage again, but in the Passion Translation. It says it really beautifully. And now we are brothers and sisters in God's family. How about you turn to somebody next to you, get that pointer finger and say, hey, hey, brother, hey, sister. Turn to somebody else and say, hey, brother, hey, sister. Turn to somebody else and say, hey, we're family. <laughs> Hebrews 10, 19 through 23. And now we are brothers and sisters in God's family because of the because of the blood of Jesus. And he welcomes us to come into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm. Boldly and without hesitation. Can you say that? Boldly and without hesitation. For he has dedicated a new life-giving way for us to approach God. 
For just as the veil was torn in two, Jesus' body was torn open to give us free and fresh access to him. Friend, you have free and fresh access to the presence of God. We need our minds renewed. We have every day, every moment, God has given us free and fresh access to his presence. And since we now have a magnificent high priest, can you say Jesus? To welcome us into God's house, we come closer to God and approach him with an open heart, fully convinced that nothing will keep us at a distance from him. Friend, nothing will keep us at a distance from him. Nothing will keep us at a distance. Nothing can keep you at a distance from God unless you choose to stay distant. God's so far from me, I can't feel him. Invert that, my friend. We are far from him. His arms are wide open. For our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove impurity. And we have been freed from an accusing conscience. Now we are clean, unstained, and presentable to God inside and out. Can you say the inside and out? So now wrap your heart tightly around the hope that lives within us. Knowing that God always keeps his promises. Hebrews 4.16, so let us come boldly, say boldly. boldly, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his what? Mercy. And Yep, we will receive his mercy and we will find grace. to help us when we need it most. Anybody need mercy or grace out there? Yeah, facts. I think we all do. I know I need it daily. Anybody like one of those daily mercy people? Huh? Yeah, that's me right there. That's my, almost on the, every morning, I'm like, Lord, thank you that your mercies are new every morning, because I need them. We can get mercy and find grace to help us when we need it most. When we approach the throne of God boldly, what do we receive? Mercy and grace. Whew. If you need mercy and grace, boldly approach the throne based on Jesus' performance. What does that look like? That looks, for me, that looks like reminding God of what he did. Praising him for what he did. Like, you know what, Jesus? Thank you that when I was a knuckle-headed teenager, you decided to save me even though I wasn't worth saving. Thank you that when you looked at me, you saw a beloved son. Thank you that you have not given up on me. That by your stripes, I am healed. That by your blood, I am free. Thank you that I have right standing because of what you did on the, on the cross. Because of what he accomplished, I have free and fresh access. It's reminding God, this is what you did for me and this is what I stand on. We don't approach God. God, thank you that I've read my Bible every day. Thank you that I pray without ceasing. No, the Pharisees did that and what did Jesus do? He rebuked them said, Lord, thank you that I'm a, not a sinner like these. And Jesus said, no, nah, coach, that's not the approach. The approach is, Jesus did it, and now I have access. And I boldly approach the throne of my gracious God. I make my approach, 
My approach is bold because of Jesus. And in this bold approach, I find mercy and grace. So as we wrap up, the purpose of prayer tracks are to help us draw near to God. James 4.8 says, draw near to God or come close to God. And God will come close to you. Turn to somebody next to you and say, hey, come close to God. Friend, God wants you close. I want to say that again. Some of us don't believe that. We look at our sins that have, are piled high like Mount Everest, and we say, how could God want me to come close? It's because you're a son. You're a daughter. Because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Because Ephesians says that you are God's masterpiece, created anew in Christ Jesus. I've never met an artist that kept their masterpiece at arm's distance. You are God's masterpiece, tainted by sin. So Jesus came with a vengeance, a jealous vengeance, to win back the very masterpiece of God. To polish it up, to clean it up, to give us a new heart. To give us a new mind so that we could boldly approach the throne of our gracious God. That we could make our petitions close to him. That's the gospel. As we draw near to him though, friends, things should shake and change in our lives. Lest not we forget who we're dealing with. The God of the universe. Pastor Julian prayed this in prayer. And I didn't even tell him about this. But he prayed that God would shake us. And there's a scripture that literally says like. That he'll shake us and leave only what's unshakable remaining. When we approach God through prayer. Things in our lives should shake and change. If I leave my prayer closet looking the same as I went in, something's wrong. Something is off. He invites us to draw near. But in our approach, our bold approach to come near, there's a divine exchange. He takes our burdens and he gives us his burden. He takes our heavy yokes and gives us his yoke, which is easy and light. If I am approaching the throne and looking the same, that's not the right throne. I've not approached the throne. Maybe I've approached the throne of my desires. Or maybe I've approached a throne of a false God that I've erected in my image. And I don't say this to attack you. I don't say this to come at us. But guys, that's why God hates idols so, so zealously. Because idols prostrate us before the wrong throne. It prostrates us before the throne of money or success. Fleeting things that don't last. The one eternal throne Abba is seated on in heavenly places. That's the throne he invites us to.
where the glow of an emerald surrounds it. Millions of angels minister to him day and night. Elders bow down and cast crowns before that throne. Cherubim and seraphim are swirling in this heavenly place. Why would we trade that glorious throne that we can approach boldly for a throne of wood or stone? Let's approach that throne boldly. Philippians 2.12. So then, my dear ones, just as you have always obeyed my instructions with enthusiasm, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation. That is, cultivate it. Bring it to full effect. Actively pursue. What are those next two words? Actively pursue spiritual maturity. With awe-inspired fear and trembling, using serious caution and critical self-evaluation to avoid anything that might offend God or discredit the name of Christ. We boldly approach the throne of our gracious God based on Jesus' performance, but let's not forget with whom we deal. The eternal rock, the great I am. So when we approach him, let's approach also with fear, understanding who our God is. But what, what do I, I love so much what this says. This has changed the way that I view my prayer life. Are you ready? You ready? Yeah. There we go. Our bold approach to God in prayer should produce something in us. Maturity. If I, I'm, we're coming to the end of a year. Does my Christian life look any different than January 1, 2022? If there is no change, I'm not growing in maturity. Our prayer life should produce in us spiritual maturity. How? Because we're boldly approaching the throne of our gracious God. Our Holy, perfect God. And as we boldly approach that place, he's taking out junk. And we should leave that place looking more like Jesus, right? Encounter Church, the heart of God, he's calling us back to spiritual maturity. It's time to grow. See, I'm not upset that Joshua freaks out when he wants a monster truck at Target because he's three. If he's 23 doing the same thing, we have problems. <laughs> we laugh, but many of us are like that spiritually. We've been following the Lord for 23 years, but we throw tantrums like a three-year-old. Spiritual maturity. Let's boldly approach the throne of our gracious God. He's not mad at us, but he's inviting us to draw near for a divine exchange so that when we come out the other side of our prayer closet, we are shining with the glory, the radiant glory of our King. 
that we come out on the other side of our prayer closet and we're robed in righteousness. We are seated in heavenly places with Christ. When we come out of our prayer closet, we've got our armor on. We have the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith. We're ready to do battle in a generation that is lost and dying. It's time to wake up our prayer closets. It's time to juice them up with the presence. Let's boldly approach the throne of our gracious God. Let's leave behind weak and wimpy Christianity. I don't know about you, but to grow in spiritual maturity, I need some mercy and grace. <laughs> I don't know about you. We need mercy and grace. God's not shocked by our nonsense. That's why that scripture we read in Hebrews 10, it says, he, made, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. We have perfect right standing with God because of the blood of Jesus. But we are in a process of being made holy. I don't know about you, but I still have wrong mindsets, wrong attitudes, wrong mentalities, wrong behaviors, wrong, you know, all these things that God is still working out. See, but we get it twisted when we go to that. We go to our, you know, to our holiness journey to, to give us the approach to God. But we should go to our right standing. It's only as we stand righteous before God by the blood of Jesus that he can fix this stuff and make us new. And to do that, we need mercy and grace. Mercy is God's kindness. Mercy is God has every right to judge me, but he withholds judgment and shows mercy. He extends compassion to me. That's mercy. What is grace? Grace is the desire and the power to do what pleases God. When I make my bold approach to his presence in prayer, I receive mercy and grace, and I grow in spiritual maturity. Are you ready to grow? I am. I want next year to look different. I want my family to look different next year. I want the way that I speak to my wife to look different. I want the way that I raise my kids to look different. I want the way that I behave in the marketplace to look different. I want fruit in my life. Do you want fruit in Counter Church? I want my Christianity to shake things out there. I want to walk into the job. I want to walk into my home and the, the environment shift because the presence of God that's on me is in there. We need maturity. If Yvonne could come up here. So what are we going to do to end the service? That's all I got for you. And the way that I want us to end today, and I felt like God has wanted us to end, we're going to take some time and we're going to approach the throne of God boldly. It doesn't make sense to talk about it and not do it. We're going to boldly approach the throne of God. And we're going to let him do whatever he wants to do. Maybe he wants to shake our hearts, purify us, Maybe he wants to release prophetic dreams 
fresh outpouring of his Holy Spirit on you. Maybe he wants to encourage you, restore wounded areas of your life. Maybe he wants to do D, all of the above. I don't know. But I believe that as we make our bold approach, we will find two things today. We will find mercy and we will find grace. But friends, let's not forget the foundation of this whole thing is performance. But whose performance? I believe there might be some people in this place today. You've been struggling and you feel like you can't approach God and it's because you're living under old covenant performance. But today, Holy Spirit is calling to you. He's inviting you. Come out of the old covenant. I already paid the price for you. Jesus already did it. It's a crude analogy, but it's like there's a new Tesla on the lot, bought and paid for. The keys are there with your name on it, and we're choosing not to drive it. The new life of Christ has been purchased by the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Salvation is extended to us, but many of us are living under old covenant rules. But today, let's exchange the old life. Let's receive this new life. But God has made one way to be made right with him. There is one way one performance, only one. And that one way is the blood of Jesus Christ. If you are not washed in the blood, if I am not washed in the blood of Jesus, if I have not repented of my sins and given Jesus access and control of my whole life, I am, in, I am not in right standing with God. There is no other religion. There is no other sacrifice that, that could do it but the blood of Jesus. There is one way. But Caleb, I've lived a good life. It's not good enough. Only Jesus performed to the perfection that God de demanded. Have you placed your faith solely in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you allowed his blood to wash you clean? Has he taken out a hard heart of stone and given you a soft heart of flesh? So with every eye closed and every head bowed, Let's examine ourselves for a moment before we approach the throne of our gracious God. And Holy Spirit's in this room, I feel him even now. And maybe you say, I don't know if I'm right with God. I thought I was, but I don't know if I'm right with God. 
Or maybe you know that you know that you know that you've been living on old covenant performance. But today you're deciding, I'm going to give my whole life to Jesus, the only one that lived a perfect life, the only acceptable offering for my sin. I will give Jesus my whole life. that's you I want you to raise your hand and I want to pray with you okay I see you who else who else says I'm not right with Jesus but today I'm making a decision to get right with Jesus okay okay I see you let's pray this as a family we are brothers and sisters here Let's pray this as a family, but pray this with faith. Let's reaffirm our faith in the blood of Jesus today. Let's all pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I have sinned against you in thought, in my words, and by my actions. I recognize I'm a sinner and Jesus today I choose to lay down my sin I repent forgive me Jesus wash me clean I don't deserve it but I trust in what you did on the cross You died for me so that I could access the presence of God again. So come and wash me clean. Give me a new heart. Come be the Lord of my life. I give you control. I will live for you, Jesus. Holy Spirit I need your power come and fill me today and help me follow Jesus every day for the rest of my life in Jesus name Amen if you made that decision whether for the first time or you're rededicating your life to Jesus If you look on the screen, you can text the word Jesus to that phone number and we'll send you some more information on follow up on what to do next. But I want to invite everyone to stand to their feet as the worship team comes up. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.